Um, this summer, some of you guys know that, that I had a couple of weddings and everything we had to do. My son got married. My daughter got married. It was a really big summer for us. Um, but, but my third uh, child, uh, uh, Maggie... <laughs> It's not sibling, it's child. My third child, Maggie, th- while the rest of this was happening and these guys were getting ready to get, to get married, Maggie was, was having her own journey because Maggie had decided that she's going to go to Australia um, for a semester abroad. Now, that was a big deal to Maggie. She is not the type of, 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 of student that says, I'm just going to go on this great adventure and I'm going to go learn how to surf and meet a bunch of new people. That's not Maggie. Maggie had a hard time in high school um, um, with friendships and even a hard time in college with friendships. And so, so Maggie decided, you know what, Dad? She, he, she said, I just got to do this. I have to. I have to, I have to step way outside of my comfort zone I have to step way into this, this, this anxious moment and actually do this. I got to do it. And so this summer was her kind of getting ready for that. And, and, you know, Ella's getting ready to get married. And here's Maggie kind of just packing her bag and going, I'm going to head to Australia. And our plan was this. We were going to drive up to Spokane to, for Ella's wedding and take care of all of that. And Ella, getting, Ella and Justice getting married. And then, and then um, two days later, we were gonna, the next day, we were going to drive to Seattle. And then the second day, she was going to take off out of SeaTac Airport because it was cheaper to fly out of Seattle than Denver. And so we were gonna, we were just going to load up on a plane and she's going to be gone for five months. So it was a, it was a weird season for Maggie as, she's, as, as her anxiousness um, her nervousness about this decision, her reluctance about this decision continued to grow as she got closer and closer to that, to that day. Well, here we are, the, the wedding's over with, and Jackie and I are driving across to Seattle, and Maggie's in the back seat, and, and I'm looking through the, at the, in the rearview mirror, and I'm seeing Maggie looking out the window. And she's just staring out the window, and, and, uh, and, and, I, and I know... I got this. I know, I know that, um, that, 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 that her fear is now fully intact. I know that her fear is taking over. I know that she's picturing what it's going to be like when she gets off that plane in Sydney. She chose to do, a, to do a semester abroad. You can do it with a bunch of people, or you can just go do it yourself, and you just go get immersed into the University of, of New South Wales. And she chose to do it by herself. She said, I'm just going to make myself get off that plane and get an Uber to the campus and find my dorm and wake up the next morning and walk downstairs and say hi, I'm Maggie, to a bunch of Aussies. You know, so she... So, so, so she's picturing all that, and, and you can just picture just looking out the window, just feeling that. And as a parent, any of you guys that have been parents of high school or college students, you know the, the, that we carry their fear. We carry it. We feel it. It's a weight that we feel too. I mean, you do that with your, your kids at any age, but when they get to the depth of that fear in those high school, college years, we carry it too. And so I'm driving and I'm looking in the rear mirror and I'm feeling that weight too. And, 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 and then Maggie turns and she looks through the rear mirror at me and, and she starts to cry and then I start to cry. And so now, we're, now I'm crying and driving across through Ritzville to Seattle, you know? And so we get to Seattle. And the next day at SeaTac Airport, okay? So now we're at SeaTac. She has like a three-hour delay. And so we have a lot of time to, in Starbucks to talk through what's going to happen next when she gets to New Zealand and then to Australia. But then there's that moment that we had to let her go. 
There's that moment where, where we get up and she gets into the line to go through the, 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 the security and you can't follow her into that. And so you just give her a hug and Jackie's crying and I'm crying and Maggie's crying and, and, and then we just let her go. And she just walks through the, through the lines. And I'll never forget this moment. There's this moment when, when she's about two people away from the agent where she's going to give him the passport and then she's, gonna, she's, she's gone, okay? About two people from that, she doesn't look back at us. You know, I see her kind of wiping a tear. And then she clenches her fist and she just lightly hits her suitcase that she's carrying. And then she keeps going. And... and Gosh, it's so stupid. Come on. And she keeps going. And I'm, I'm totally fine at this point. Jackie's bawling like crazy. Um, <laughs> she hits her suitcase and she keeps going. And it's like she was saying in that moment, she was going, all right, let's do this. Let's do this. I knew this was coming. Let's do this. Let's take this step forward. Let's not shrink back. Hebrews 10 talks about shrinking back. Let's step forward. Let's step into this. Let's do this. You guys, we have those moments all the time in our life. All the time. You had it when you were a kid, a kid getting on the school bus for the first time and you're going, all right, let's do this. As parents, when you watched your kid get on the school bus for the first time or walk into class, all right, let's do this. When you, when you say goodbye to your kid going off to college and it doesn't matter if it's CU or if it's some foreign college, it doesn't matter. Let's do this. We can do this. You said it when you're standing on one side of a door and the other side is the doctor and the results to the test and, and you're going, I have no idea what, what I'm going to hear. Let's do this. When you decided to turn in your resignation notice, when you turned in your retirement papers, you're going, all right, can we do this? Let's do this. When you heard it was going to be terminal, all right, let's do this. You guys, we say it all the time. And that's courage. That's courage. And it's admirable that we step into that space. But did you know that it's also godly? Do you know that it's also an attribute that God gives us and a, and a, and a strength that God gives us, gives us to do that? And we're actually reflecting Jesus when we do it. And I want to talk more about that. We're doing this UU series. And, and, and within that, we're looking at the, at the life of David. Man, that is a man of courage. We're going to look at his life a little bit. But we're going to look at some other passages as well. And we're going to look more at what this means for us, this thing, this whole thing about courage. Okay, so let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would, you would bless this and, and that each one of us. I mean, right now, as I mentioned the word courage, I've already got some people that are going, that's not me. I think it is. God, help us to recognize what this means for each one of us. Help us to unpack this enough for us to see that we actually have courage within us and we just got to summon it up. So help us, Lord, as we walk through this with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. What happened with you and Lily? I don't know. I guess I didn't listen to something she told me or something. I mean, I liked her. It's like you embarrass yourself if you say something. 
And you embarrass yourself if you don't. I like it when you talk. You know, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Just literally 20 seconds of just embarrassing bravery. And I promise you, something great will come of it. Man, if you haven't seen that movie, you got to see it. I mean, that's just an endorsement for We Bought a Zoo. It's a, it's a super inspiring movie. Um, but, but I've used that line so many times. I've used it with my kids. I'm going, come on, 20 seconds of insane courage. Just go for it. 20 seconds of insane courage. And we want, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. And we'll look at it in the light of David, in, in David's life. But before we do that, I want to look at Philippians. I want to go to Philippians chapter 1. Because Paul says something to the people in Philippi that's super important for us to hear. He says this. He says, whatever happens, make sure that your everyday life is worthy of the gospel of Christ. He says, make sure that your everyday life reflects the truth of who Jesus is in your life. He says, he's looking at his, these people that he's, he's, he's already pastored and, and has walked alongside. And he's going, whatever happens, that truth of the victory that we have in Jesus, let it be reflected in your life. He had victory over sin and he had victory over death. And he gives us his Holy Spirit. And he gives us encouragement. He says, I'm with you always to the ends of the age. And he says, he says, that's truth, and that's victory. And he looks out at his people, and he says, I know you believe it. Now sh let it be seen in your life. Live with that kind of, of power and excitement over what Jesus has done for you. That's what he's saying to these guys. And he's saying, now, how will they see it? Well, here's a way that people will see it. Watch this. He says, he says flip that next one. He says, your courage and unity will show them. Your courage and unity will show them. Let's look at unity. He's saying, man, when you love each other, when you love someone that nobody else is loving, when you love each other and you're not fighting with each other and you're not quarreling with each other and it's not always an issue, but instead we're looking at people. And when you're not picking and choosing who you want to love, but you're just loving everybody, when you guys are loving each other and living in unity, that is a, that is a, that you are showing the gospel of Jesus, you're showing his, his, the goodness. You're showing this great news. People are going to stand back and go, what's going on there? There's something about that person. He's going, man, you're showing that when you live with unity with each other and you're, you're loving with each other. But he also says your courage will show them. And when you actually step into the truth that when Jesus said, you know, to, 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 when he gave him the great commission to baptize everybody and, 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 and to teach him all that I have commanded. In the end, he says, and I will be with you always to the very ends of the age. He's going, well, do you believe that? And do you live with that kind of confidence? Do you live with that kind of uh, assurance do we live stepping, stepping into the next thing instead of sh shrinking away from it? Do we know that Jesus is walking with us in it? That's what Paul is saying. Now we gotta, we gotta look, we, we look back now and we look at David and we see how did he live the way Paul's talking about? 
How did he live that way? Man, we got to look at David because he is synonymous with courage. There's a, there was an article that was written in Psychology Today, and, and in it, it, it talked about how, how courage shapes culture and the different parts of, of culture that, that you, where you see courage coming out. They talked about fictional characters like the, the Cowardly Lion and, and Harry Potter and how, how even Harry po- the courage of Harry Potter and what that, what, what, how, how kids picked up on that. They talked about the people that changed the world with their courage. The Nelson Mandela's and the Mother Teresa's and Martin Luther King's that changed the world with their courage. They talked about entrepreneurs that that stepped out into this unknown like a a Steve Jobs or a Walt Disney and they didn't know what was going to happen, but they lived in that courage and and it it shaped culture. And after all those things, this article, after all that, they said, and then there's David. They went to a, to, a, to a biblical person. They went to David and they said, there's David. Now, of course, of course, what they're talking about with David and what any of us think of when we think of David is we think of that moment 3,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago when, when, when they're sitting in the Valley of Allah and the Israelite army is standing there and the, and, and the people Gath are on the other side and this, and this, this soldier, this, this giant of Gath comes down into the middle of the Valley of Allah and looks, looks up there and says, can anybody beat me? They called him Goliath. Can anybody beat me? And he did that for 40 days. He just kept screaming that out to the Israelite army until finally this kid, this 17-year-old kid that comes walking up to give bread and cheese to his brothers that are on the line, hears that. David hears that and, he, and, he, and he's going, what is he saying? And, he's, and he's, 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 he's taunting us. And he's going, you guys, God is bigger than that giant. And David says, who's going to fight him? And then finally David says, all right, I'm going to fight him. And they laughed at David going, there's no way you can. David grabs five stones and a slingshot, walks out on the battlefield, hits the giant between the eyes. He dies and he he, he cuts off his head and says, there, that's the God that we have. And ever since then, that has been a mark of courage. As, as you read that and as you live into that story, you start feeling the definite, you start thinking more about that definition of courage. And, and, and there's a pastor that I was reading and he, he, he spoke of the definition. He said, courage is, and he said, it's courage is standing when everyone else wants to run, speaking when everyone else is afraid to speak, acting when everyone else is paralyzed by fear, taking action in the face of danger, holding one's character and moral uprightness when everyone else is tempted to compromise theirs. That's courage. So there's our marching orders. That's courage. And that's why I don't relate to courage. I read that and I'm going, wait a minute. I I relate to the second half of every one of those. I want to run. So many times I'm afraid to say what I, what I need to say. How many times have, on an airplane have I just grabbed a magazine instead of talked to the person next to me and told them that I'm a pastor? I'm afraid to speak at times. How much do I know the paralysis of fear? How much do we, do we, do we, don't, we don't take action in the face of danger? And how much do I know temptation and compromise instead of standing up? 
And so here's what we do. We read something like that. We think about Goliath. I've never once even shot a slingshot. And so we say to ourselves, courage is not for us. Courage is not for me. I guess that's for the other person that's really courageous. For me, I'm just going to watch that. But you guys, I sat in this for a long time. I sat in this, on, on that definition. I, I, for a couple of weeks, I sat in it. And I just thought, is that really the definition of courage? Is that truly the definition of courage? And so what I did is I was frustrated with it because I was frustrated with me. And I, and I started just going, no, I'm just going to look through the Bible and look at each time someone was courageous in the Bible. Stand, those moments that we just know of, of people courageous in the Bible. I'm going to look at each one of those moments and I'm going to decide whether or not this is the right definition of courage. And in the end, I came up with a different definition. In the end, I started jumbling all my words together and I thought, you know what? I think this is more of the definition of courage that I see throughout Scripture, including David's life. This was the new one. Now, wait, wait, before you put that on, take it back off for just a second. Do not correct me on my grammar. My daughter is my grammar, it's my grammar uh, police, and she, so I already get it enough from her. Don't correct me on my grammar. This is just my thoughts jumbled out into a possible definition of courage. Now we can put it up there. Courage is in the midst of fear with unknown conclusions and many times a sense of great helplessness, we choose to step forward anyway, to take that step confidently knowing that we'll be held up by something greater than ourselves. I was looking at the passages and I was just going, you know what, I see a lot of is fear. And I see a lot of unknown conclusions. They didn't know what was gonna happen in the end. I saw a lot of helplessness that they felt but I saw him stepping forward anyway because I saw them leaning on something that was bigger than themselves. I looked back at, at Peter. Remember that moment where Peter's in a boat and he's sitting in this boat and Jesus comes walking on water and, Peter, and Jesus calls him out of, the, out of the boat and says, come on and stand on water. Peter in that moment, when he has to make that step, when he has to, instead of shrink back, step out and step out of the boat, he is stepping out into his helplessness. He cannot stand himself on the, on the, on the water. He's stepping out in his helplessness. He has no idea what's going to happen. He has no control over what's going to happen in the future. He's just going to stand there in his fear, but in the midst of it, he's going to lean on something stronger than himself. I looked at Moses. When Moses went back to Pharaoh, when he went back to Pharaoh, man, he stepped out. He stepped into a place that he was helpless. He stepped into a place where he didn't know what was going to happen when he went back to Pharaoh. He stepped into a place with fear. But he was standing on something stronger than himself. I look at Esther. Esther, was, Esther needed to go before the king and, and, and to speak on behalf of all of her Jewish family and all of her Jewish brothers and sisters, all, those, all of her friends, she had to speak on behalf of them. And Mordecai got right in her face and said, Esther, you were made for a time such as this to go do this. When Esther went before the king, she had to stand, step out in her helplessness. She had to step out in an unknown conclusion. She was fearful. She said she was fearful she was going to die from this. But she had to stand on something stronger than herself. The one that I love the most is I love thinking about this, this woman, Mary, that had an alabaster jar of perfume and she's standing in this room and Jesus is out with a bunch of dudes. There's a bunch of guys out there and there's, a woman was not allowed to be out there where Jesus was at and she's sitting there with this jar of perfume and she's going, 
I want to pour this on Jesus. I want, I want to anoint Jesus. I want to, I want to honor Jesus with this jar of perfume. That moment, that, that moment where she has to step out of that room and go to Jesus and, and, and open that jar and pour that on him. Man, helplessness, unknown outcome. How are these guys going to respond? And they did not respond well. But I'm going to do it because there is something stronger than me that's worth me doing this and for me to stand on. Man, that's courage. And I think that's a courage that we can relate to. I started looking at David's life. And yes, the time with Goliath was a powerful, powerful, heroic moment. Heroic moment. But I started asking the question, is it any more courageous that he went and battled the giant than it was for, than it was for these other times in his life? I looked, I looked at these other times when he, when he um, committed adultery with Bathsheba. He commits adultery with Bathsheba. He kills Bathsheba's husband. And he knows that he has made some major, he, he has really messed up at this point. There's a guy named Nathan that comes to him. And Nathan gets all over him. Nathan's going, you, what are you thinking? I mean, there was courageous itself. Because, I mean, Nathan's going before the king. And he's going, you blew it. You, you messed this thing up. That's you. You've done that. Now, David in all of his power could have easily just, just, just deflected that. He could, have, he could have killed Nathan. He could have said, no, that's not me. No, that's not true. He could have denied it all. But instead, David did something else. He received it. He received it and he said, yeah, I messed up. Look what it says. It says, it says, David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And then later in, in Psalm 51, it says, Generous in love, God give grace, huge in mercy, wipe out my bad record, scrub away my guilt, soak out my sins in your laundry, for I know how bad I've been. My sins are, starting to, are, are staring me down. The courage to fess up when we have messed up, the, the choice to do that, Man, that is, that is courageous because, because we, don't, we are helpless in that. We feel helpless in that. We don't know the repercussions and the outcome of confessing that to God or to others, to Nathan or anybody else. We don't know the outcome. It's fearful. We are fearful in doing it. But we're going to stand on a truth, on a God that's filled with love and grace and mercy. We're going to stand on that truth. And we step into that courageously. Is that any less courageous than conquering a Goliath? I kept going. I kept looking at other ones. I'm going, Absalom. I look at Absalom and I'm going, man, David's son, Absalom, David loved him. He loved Absalom and he, and he, and he wanted to, to, to do all he could for him. But there was a point that Absalom wanted the throne. He wanted to, to take over for David and take, on the take the throne, but he had to take it forcefully. And so Absalom rebelled against David. And as Absalom rebelled, David kept going after him. He kept going, no, no, I'm still going to love you. And he he kept rebelling and David kept loving. And in the end, Absalom raised up an army. 
And then David said to his guys, he's going, yeah, there's an army coming after us and, and that we're going to have to get ready for battle, but do this. Do not touch Absalom because he is still my son. He has rebelled, but he is still my son. But in the midst of it all, Absalom dies. And this was David's response to, Abs to, to his death. The king was overcome with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And when he went, he cried, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. If only I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. You guys, the courage for a parent to continue to love their child as they continue to rebel the courage to love, the courage to continue to step into parenthood. That's why parenthood is, is a, a courageous profession. Because think about it. You are stepping into helplessness. How many of us have felt helpless in raising our children? You are stepping into unknown. How many of us have no idea what's going to happen with all that we will do in investing and pouring our hearts out. What will happen? We don't know. How many of us are fearful in raising our children? Were you watching them and they're, they're playing on their, their video games or they're playing on their phone and they, they, we, they can't get away from it? We don't know what that's going to do down the road and we're fearful about all of that. But we choose to step because we're going to step on something that's stronger than ourselves. We will choose to keep going. And that's courageous. Now we know there are times in parenting that we choose to not. You know those times where you choose to instead grab a bottle of red wine, go up into your room, lock your door, put on a movie and say, I'm not going to be dad or mom today. We've done that. We've all done it. That's when we've chosen to go the other way. Come on. But those moments where we choose to step into that unknown and that helplessness and that fear, trusting in something that's stronger than us, that is courageous and it's no less courageous than standing before a giant. I looked at one other spot. I looked at that time. Remember last week, for you guys that were here, I talked about when David was, was chosen as, the, as anointed as king but after Saul. Samuel comes up. Jesse lines up all of his sons. David's left out in the fields. Jesse's lined them all up. David's out in the fields. Seven sons, none of them are picked. And finally, David is called in. What's the feeling David has out on that field? Could there possibly be a feeling of rejection from his father? That his father didn't even consider him? How long did David carry that with him? That sense of rejection? How often have you felt rejected from a parent, a friend, a pastor, a boss, a roommate? How often have you felt that rejection? The courage to forgive, the courage to forgive, where you have to step out in your helplessness because I don't know what's going to, you don't know what's going to happen at all in that forgiveness. There's fear in that. There's a desire for retribution. But that courage to forgive, knowing that I'm going to stand on something stronger than myself and that God's got this, we make that choice, man. That is just as courageous as standing before a giant. When you think of those things, 
When you think of that stuff, the helplessness that you feel, when you're a, when you're a husband and you've messed up with your wife and you haven't been the husband that you want to be, and you want to defend yourself to the end, and you don't want to, you don't want to you know, own up to any of it. When you're in that space, and, and you decide, no, I'm going to own up to it. I've messed up, and I'm going to stand here. When you're in that helplessness, man, that's courageous. Larry Crabb wrote about this. He said, he, 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 talks, about cur- he talks about that helplessness. He talks about it like darkness. He says, godly courage empowers us to move into the darkness. And he, and he describes that darkness and this helplessness. He describes it where we feel no comfort, no presence, no one to help, completely, complete isolation, guilt, coldness, separation, trapped, paralyzed, completely confused, utterly bewildered, and profoundly afraid. And that's real. That's real on our helplessness. He calls it Darkness. But that's where God does his deepest work. We must learn what it means to abandon ourselves to God and to powerfully relate to others. And he talks about that darkness and he says, man, it's like the darkness that covered the earth when, in Genesis 1 when, when, when God was, was creating and darkness covered the earth. He says that, that Hebrew word, that darkness, he says it's a, it was a chaos, but it was an expected result out of that chaos because there was an expect, expectation that God was about to do something. And he's saying, man, when you, when you enter into that helplessness and that darkness, we're expecting God to do something powerful there because it's something stronger than ourselves in the midst of our helplessness and our unknown and our fear. And that's where courage comes from. I can't reiterate it enough that we all face it and courage comes in so many different places in our life. I am going, I'm going to, I, I, I have a list here. Get ready. Settle in. Listen, because this will be you on one place or another, okay? Courage is saying sorry, knowing when to say enough, saying I love you, asking for help, knowing when to fight, admitting when it's time to surrender, saying yes, saying no. All of these times, helplessness, unknown, and fear. But we stand on something greater it's knowing when to run. It's being truthful with yourself. It's letting people in who you, letting people in who you truly are. It's knowing that we screwed up. It's admitting we can't cope alone. It's letting go. It's reaching out. It's doing something new. It's meeting an Australian boy and telling him all we are going to do is kiss. And if he's interested, he has to move to Colorado. It's, <laughs> I had to put that in there just in case she's listening. <laughs> Courage is being willing to receive It's following your heart. It's standing up for what is right. It's recognizing injustice and responding. It's trusting someone again. It's choosing love over fear. It's standing up for oneself. It's choosing to truly live. It's leaning to learning to love again. It's it's, it's choosing to stay when it would be easier to leave and choosing to leave when it would be easier to stay. It's believing in oneself for the first time. It's being vulnerable. It's breaking with tradition. It's asking for help. It's stopping to rest. It's letting the tears flow. It's continuing through adversity. It's trusting that all will be well. If you want that list, I'll email it to you because I guarantee you're on there. You're on there. And you have a choice of a step or a shrink back. And will you step into a power that's beyond yourself? Marianne Rodmacher says, courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is a silent voice at the end of the day that says, I will try again tomorrow. 
Here's what we got to recognize. The common denominator in every one of those is helplessness. The common denominator in every one of those is an unknown conclusion. And the common denominator in every one of those is fear. And what are we choosing to stand on? We got to remember something in this, you guys. We got to remember that fear, don't wait for fear to go away for you to have courage. Fear is not a sin. Now, God has given us a, has given us a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear. He hasn't given us that. But fear in itself is not a sin. Don't wait for it to go away. Fear is not the opposite of courage. They're not two emotions where my emotion of fear is replaced by emotion of courage. Courage is, courage is the action that we choose to take in the midst of fear. So don't wait for fear to leave to take that step. If, if Maggie would have done that, she would never have got on that plane. Don't wait for the fear to go away. Humble yourself to a place where you recognize you are helpless. Our pride will fight it. Our pride will fight it. Our pride will fight it. Humble yourself to a point that you recognize your own helplessness in it. O. Halsby wrote a book called Prayer, and he says, you know what prayer is? Prayer is just inviting God into our helplessness. Inviting him into our helplessness. Invite him into this space. Step into this and invite him in. God, I am helpless in this. I don't know what to do. I am at wit's end. I don't know. Invite him in. Man, that's where God wants to be. But when you do invite him in, another thing to remember is when you invite him in, man, be confident in that invitation. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed, prayed, prayed pessimistic prayers. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed a prayer and in the end I've just gone, God didn't hear that one. Or even worse, he did hear it, but so what? It's nothing's gonna happen anyway. Where I've prayed prayers over and over again and I've just concluded it doesn't and nothing's going to work. Nothing's going to happen. You know, God still hears it, but you know what it does to us? We just still stay anxious. What if we confidently stepped into that helplessness and confidently prayed, knowing this is the place I need to be, standing on something that's stronger than myself? What if you reminded yourself of that, even in the midst of a prayer that seems like only a miracle would, 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 would actually be an answered prayer? And even in that moment, you're still saying, no, I trust because in this place, this is right where I have to be. And the last thing we got to remember, you guys, is we have to remember, we have to remember that God's promises are never weak. Our confidence in that promise is weak. Our confidence in that promise can be weak, but God's promises are never weak. When he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, our confidence in that might weaken but it doesn't take away from the strength of that truth. And so we take that step. Man, we got to remember this because we are all dealing with it. Andy Stanley says this about courage. He says, he says, a single act of courage is often the catalyst for something extraordinary to follow. And that can be true when you're looking at a Goliath in front of you. And that can be true when you're looking at anything else in front of you. For me, Jim and I, we have to remember this every day in this church. 
when we are facing, when we are looking at what's happening next around here, and we can't wait to fill you guys in on all the really cool things that are going to happen in this church in the next three months, the next six months, and the next year around what the building's going to do and our vision. What's, we can't wait to fill you guys in on all that stuff. But look, we have to still step into it, into the, into the helplessness of it, into the unknown within it. And, we have to, and then we have to, recognizing our fear, trust there's someone stronger than us that's standing there that's got this church in his hands. And so we can move courageously forward instead of shrinking back. And you can do the same. And when you do that and you extend forgiveness, when you do that and you, and you take that step, when you do that and you turn in that resignation, when you do that and you, and you love that person that you didn't want to love, when you do that and you, ex- and you recognize that you have messed up and you come straight to face to face with God, Amazing things, powerful things can happen. When David was dying at the, at the end of his life, he looked at Solomon. Solomon's one of his sons. And Solomon was going to replace him as king. And he looked at Solomon and he gave these words. He was quoting Joshua in, the, in, in God, what God said to Joshua when he went into the promised land. He said, be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. And you can just see those words. You can see David's heart and you can see how much he wants Solomon to understand this. You could picture David thinking back at his life. You could picture him thinking back at that day when he went out before that giant. But you can also picture that day when he confessed it before the Lord what he had done. He can also picture that day when he forgave his father. You can also picture that day when he stuck with his son, even though his son continued to rebel. David's looking at it and he's saying, be strong and courageous, even though you feel helpless. And do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged, even though you don't know the final conclusion. For the Lord God, my God, is with you in your fear. He will not fail you or forsake you. Put all your weight on that truth. Some of you guys right now need to clench your fists, look down at that little suitcase, just tapping on it and say, let's do this. Let's do this. Father, we pray that you would meet us in the midst of it. Every one of us have it. We face it daily. We pray that you would meet us in it. Meet us in the midst of the hardest news. Meet us in the midst of the scariest time with our families. Meet us in the midst of that moment that we want so desperately to turn back. Meet us right there and help us to step into our helplessness, into that unknown, into that fear. And God, place us firmly on your rock, your rock that does not change. And help us to live with confidence in that space. It's in your name we pray. Amen.